Lord, we need Thee every hour. Lord, we thank You that You are with us every hour. And so, God, I pray that You would be with us because we need You right here in this hour. Lord, I thank You for the time that we've had to worship together in song. And I pray that You would just continue to be with us as we look into Your Word for Your truth, that You would speak to our hearts as we have lifted them up to You this morning. We pray all of that in the holy name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Go ahead and grab a seat. And I will welcome you back to the third week of Holy Smokes, we're studying Leviticus. In the last couple of weeks, things have gotten a little bit smoky, in a good way, as we lift sweet aromas, burnt offerings to the Lord. They've also gotten a little bit salty, in a good way, as we salt our offerings and our lives to the Lord. And this morning, I hope that things are going to get a little bit peaceful Because this morning, we're looking at a pretty unique offering called the peace offering in Leviticus chapter 3. Now, if you remember, kind of the big picture, the, the overarching story of the book of Leviticus is that God has made a way for the commonplace to enter sacred space. When we zoom in to Leviticus chapter 3, he pinpoints that really in a big way because God makes a way for his people To live in peace with him. Now we talk about peace a lot. Sometimes we just mean that we're not at war with a neighboring country. Sometimes we just mean that we're not at war with someone in our own house. Right? Sometimes we mean that, that things in general seem to be going well and overall we're feeling peaceful. Well, when God talks about peace in Leviticus chapter 3, it It includes those things, but it's really something much bigger and something much deeper than all of that. And so we're actually going to spend a decent amount of time in the first half of the first verse of Leviticus chapter 3 to make sure that we understand this concept of what it means to live in peace with God. And so if you look at that first verse where we see that God makes a way for his people to live in peace with him, this is what it says. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering. I'll stop right there. A peace offering. Now what's really interesting about this is that really this isn't a request for peace, but it's a response to peace. And the word for peace there is the Hebrew word shalomim. Shalomim. It's the plural form of the word shalom. You may have heard the word shalom, and that's often used as a greeting to say hello or goodbye, essentially meaning peace to you. I hope things go well for you. Good day to you. But shalomim is the plural form of the word. Now, we don't really do this in English, but in Hebrew, they use plurals like this to give a sense of the deepness of an abstract idea. So, for example, if someone is smart, you might say they have knowledge. But if someone really has a depth of knowledge, if they really have a depth of wisdom, in the Hebrew language you would say they have knowledges, like they have all the knowledge. Same thing here. This word peace is really like pieces. The idea of all the peace, all the kinds of peace, and just all kinds of peace is what's really being captured here. And so it's this sense of of well-being And this sense of wholeness, fullness, security, certainly, rest, 
You know, for God's people, they would specifically be thinking about wars, battles, things that are going on around them, that when they have security and rest from that, it also has a deep concept of fellowship with God. And at the very heart of all of this is atonement and salvation. Because without that, they could not live in peace with God. Without atonement, these people were essentially God's enemies, separated from him, not only by the fact that, that they're commonplace, but also that they're sinful, that they're broken, that they have turned their backs on God in some way in their lives. And so atonement allows them to live at peace with God. So as we think about this, you know, we can picture some of these things. You know, what, what has to be happening in your life for you to feel like you have well-being, for you to feel like you have wholeness, to feel like things are going well and things are at peace? You know, maybe it's, it's a business deal that just goes down exactly how you were hoping it would. You know, or the stock market picks up and your portfolio is looking pretty good. And maybe we have a sense of well-being when all of the kids are healthy and we just had a, a really awesome date night with our spouse this week. And just things kind of seem good. You know, and those circumstances are definitely part of it. You know, th- those are some of the ways that we can see God's goodness and God's blessing in our lives. But still, those are really only circumstantial And so the reality is that for all of these things and for the peace offering, even if the circumstances change, the deal doesn't go down how you hoped, all the kids are sick and they're getting each other sick and it just keeps going around and around and you haven't had a date night in three months, still, the foundation of our peace with God is that atonement, that salvation. That's the absolute bottom line that gives us the sense that even when we don't feel peaceful, we have all the peace. In fact, God is very specific about making sure that we know how we can live in peace with him. And in a lot of ways, that really captures the story of the entire Bible. From cover to cover, you can walk through and see how hard God works to make sure that he is with us and that we know he is with us. So you go all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and God is literally walking through the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. God with us. But then that's broken. It's broken by the entrance of sin into the world. The first time that people decided to go their own way instead of God's way. And yet God says, I will make a way to be with you and I will make sure that you know I am with you. And one of the ways we see that is as he brings his people out of slavery in Egypt, he gives them a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud to lead them by night and by day that wherever they go, they can point at that and say, we know God is with us. He is here and he is leading us. And so they would follow it all night, all day, and wherever it stopped... They set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, the very thing that we have been studying here in the book of Leviticus, a physical place that God chose to say, this is the place where I will be with my people. This is the place that I will meet with you. This is the place where I will make peace with you, where I will make atonement with you so that you can live in my peace and live in my blessing. And after a certain amount of time, the tabernacle wasn't needed anymore. Because they finally had their own homeland. 
They came into the land that God had promised, into the city of Jerusalem, and they were able to build the temple. An actual brick and mortar place that God said where the, where the tent had to move and it was put up and it was torn down and put up again. The temple stands firm. It is stone. It is rock. And this is the place that I choose to meet with my people, to make peace with my people. But then his people are taken into captivity. They can't get to Jerusalem anymore. They can't get to the temple anymore. And they begin to fear God is not with us anymore. How can we be right with God if we can't get to the temple? And so through the prophets in that time, God taught them that although he had chosen this building, just as he had chosen the tabernacle, just as he had chosen the pillars, it does not contain him. He tells his people, I am with you wherever you go. And after 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament, God took on a new physical place to be with his people. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelt can be translated tabernacled. God chose a physical body, the God-man, Jesus Christ, to come here right on our level, right in our midst, to tell us, I am with you, and this is the way that I have chosen to make atonement for you so that you can live at peace with me. That is why Jesus Christ was here. It's no mystery then that he would be called Emmanuel, God with us, because he was the way that God had chosen, that God was going to dwell here in the flesh to make peace with us. And in fact, Isaiah 53, one of the Old Testament prophets, as he looked forward to the Messiah that was coming, this is what he said. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now, that's really important for us to understand before we finish Leviticus 3. Like, if we don't have a handle on where our peace comes from, then the rest of the chapter won't make any sense. But if we can get a handle on this, because here's the reality. As we study through the book of Leviticus, this is full of laws that God has set up to show us what his holiness is like, to show us how we can be made holy, how we can live holy lives in his presence. It's also full of the things that go wrong when we don't live up to that. And if you're like me, and I hope you are like me in this way, because when I read the book of Leviticus, it can be heavy. Because as I turn these pages, I come face to face with the depths of my own sin with the depths of my own failure. And I hope you're like me there, not not because I hope you're a sinful failure, (laughs) but because the reality is that we all are. That God knew we wouldn't be able to keep this law perfectly. That he knew that no one would be saved by keeping this law perfectly, and so he came himself to do that, to fulfill that law to be our offering, to be our sacrifice, to be our atonement, to to be our guilt offering, 
to pay the price that we couldn't pay, that the chastisement that brought us peace with God was on him. Because when we come face to face with the depth of our failure, if we come to the cross, if that leads us to Christ, then we come face to face with the depth of God's love. That he meets us there and says, if you confess your sin, if you give it to me, if you repent, I want to make atonement for you. That you can live in peace with me. I'll tell you what, when I hear that, because as we turn these pages, I mean, the reality is that there is a holy God who is totally justified if he just smokes all of us right now. Like, I turn these pages and I start to think, man, it's, it's already too late. Like, how, how am I even still alive except by God's grace? That he says, I have used this to point you to the one who would bring you into peace with me. And so then this is how we respond because we become eager when we hear that good news to give thanks to God. And that's really what Leviticus 3 is all about because God's people respond to God's peace with thanksgiving. That's what the peace offering really is. That when we recognize our position before God, when we realize what he's done to make peace with us, then we just lay it all down and we say, thank you. Thank you. You know, I almost wonder if for some of the the people in Israel at at the time of Leviticus, if there's almost this little bit of a sense like, okay, I've, I've made my atonement, but what if it wasn't enough? What if it doesn't stick? What if it doesn't really count? What if I better make another offering? And God would say, hey, look, when you're atoned for, you're atoned for. But if you want to make another offering, we can actually have fun with this. You can bring that offering. Let's call it the peace offering. And here's how you do it. So back to chapter 3 and look at verse 1 with me. This is what it says. When his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering, if he offers it of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. See, so even here in one that is, is voluntary, we give our absolute best to God. Which makes sense, right? For everything that he has done for us, for us to give our best back to him. And he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle the blood all around the altar. Now it's important there that the sacrifice is killed at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Because if the sacrifice comes into the tabernacle of meeting, now it belongs to God. The whole thing is his. But here for the peace offering, it would actually be killed at the door because the meat would be kept out. That was going to be part of the feast later on. And then certain portions of the sacrifice would go in to be the burnt offering towards God. And so it tells us that in verse 3, Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of the peace offering an offering made by fire to the Lord, the fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys he shall remove. And Aaron's sons shall burn it on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire. 
as an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. That language sounds familiar, doesn't it? Now, you see, the way that this is pictured is very clear about the anatomy of this animal. All of the fat. Cut it from here, cut it from there, cut it from there. Because the fat was considered the best portion. And so the fat was going to be God's portion. While the meat was held out for the feast that was to come, the fat was going to be the God's portion of that feast. And so what's pictured here is really a, a major sacrifice, a costly gift. And yet, this was probably the most common offering done by the Israelites for one simple reason. You could do it whenever you want. And so people living in peace with God could wake up every day and say, God, I'm thankful for. God, I've seen you bless me this way. God, despite all the circumstances around me, you have given us atonement and we're at rest with you. Today, we want to say thanks. And so frequently they would bring this offering in. Now, there's an interesting note here. In the midst of all of this, cut this fat, cut that fat. Notice that it says it would be burned on the altar upon the burnt sacrifice, which is on the wood that is on the fire. What that's referring to, if you were here last week for chapter 2, is the atoning sacrifice. The sacrifice that would have already been made to bring atonement with God, and then after the atonement, thanksgiving follows through the peace offering. And so really, it's, it, it makes sense, right? If, if you're not atoned with God, if you don't have peace with Him, what are you saying thank you for? Atone with Him first. And that's one of these beautiful pictures that we find in the book of Leviticus. Because as this points us forward to Christ, hey, here's good news. Brothers, sisters, as we live on this side of the cross, we are always following atonement. Right? Where an Israelite would have to make their atonement, and then now that they were right with God, they could offer a peace offering. Christ died once for all. The atonement is finished, and every day of our lives we can live in light of atonement and bring God peace offerings of thanksgiving. So look now at verse 6, because here's where this starts to get kind of interesting. And I'll be honest with you, if you're, if you're laying in bed at night, you're going to lose an hour of sleep, so it feels later than it is, and you're trying to read because you want to read a little bit, maybe pray before you fall asleep, and you pick up Leviticus 3, and you read through verse 5, and you get to verse 6, you blink for a second. You read verse 7, and then you think, oh, I must be falling asleep. I think I read this already. Because as we go through the rest of this chapter, you will see almost verbatim, three separate times, what we've already read. But here's the reason for that. If you've got your notes with you, you'll actually see it on your notes. On the back side of, of your notes is an outline. This outline is actually the complete text of Leviticus 3. Nothing added, nothing taken away, except that it's been outlined to look like what it really is, legal code. And, and so basically what we're looking at here in Leviticus 3 is kind of like when you're doing your taxes and you're trying to figure out, how do I, uh, let's see, how am I supposed to calculate? See IRS publication 3905, section A, paragraph B.1. Right, because you don't have the whole thing memorized, but you need to know where to look when you need a certain information. And so that's kind of how this is. The first five verses said, if he offers it of the herd. Okay, so someone comes to the priest. They say, I've got a peace offering. Uh, is that from the herd or is that from the flock? Uh, it's from the flock. Okay, so see Levitical publication 
uh, peace offering section two, paragraph A. Right. So if you're in if you're in law, if you're an attorney, you know how this goes. You look these things up. And so then here's what it says in this part of the code. If his offering is a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord is of the flock instead of the herd, whether male or female, still he shall offer it without blemish. If he offers a lamb as his offering, then he shall offer it before the Lord and he shall lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it before the tabernacle of meeting, just like before. And Aaron's sons shall sprinkle its blood all around on the altar. Then he shall offer from the sacrifice of peace offering as an offer made, offering made by fire to the Lord. It's fat and the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone. Now, there's a bonus detail. Did you catch that? The whole fat tail. Now, the reason for that and the reason that this is divided up into three parts is because. Extra information for you. Sheep are different than cows. Did you know that? Welcome to Leviticus three full of useful information. But this is why, because the sheep that they had at that time had a, what was just they called it a fatty tail. It would start about halfway up the spine, go all the way down to the tip of the tail. And it was almost completely fat so that just the tail could weigh 15 pounds. But if the fat is God's portion, you didn't have to worry about this on your herd, but it matters on the sheep. We don't want to miss any of the fat. And so make sure you get the whole fat tail, which he shall remove close to the backbone and the fat that covers the entrails, all the fat that is on the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys. He shall remove. Now watch verse 11, because verse five said it was an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Look at how verse 11 tweaks that. And the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire to the Lord. So not only is it the sweet aroma, like you can smell, it's almost time for dinner. But now this part, this burnt offering, this sacrifice is food for God. His portion of a fellowship meal that he's going to share with us. If you look at verse 12, we see then the third way that this sacrifice could be done. And if his offering is a goat, then he shall offer it before the Lord. He shall lay his hands on it, kill it before the tabernacle, get all of the fat off the kidneys and the liver, all of those things. Verse 16, and the priest shall burn them on the altar as food, an offering made by fire for a sweet aroma that combines them. All the fat is the Lord's. You'll notice the kidneys have been included as well because Israel saw the kidneys as the emotional center. So when you and I say, man, I, I just, I got a gut feeling. Man, that was like a punch in the gut. Right? They would say, I feel it in my kidneys. Right? So God's saying, give me the kidneys too. I want you emotionally invested in this offering because I've made peace with you and you give thanks to me. He would include the liver too because some of the pagan people around Israel would use the liver for divination to try to predict the future. And so God says, you know what? That is spiritual gobbledygook. So give me the liver too. Because I want you spiritually invested in this. Because this is a burnt offering. Because I have made peace with you. You give thanks to me. And you're going to trust me for the future. And so this is the peace offering. How God's people respond to God's peace with thanksgiving. And there's a number of these examples in the Old Testament. And there are times where it's made to fulfill a vow or as a free will offering. But the majority of the time, the peace offering is an offering of thanksgiving. 
not a request, but a response. And so I want to share with you just, just a few from the Old Testament that are, I think, really significant. And the first of those is Moses. That after Moses received the covenant from the Lord, he was so grateful for a way that God had made for his people to live in peace with him, that when he came back to the people, he gathered the young men and burned an offering. And if you look up that passage, it says he burned a peace offering to God. Another one is David. God instructed David to bring the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, into Jerusalem. But David was kind of nervous because the Ark of the Covenant is, is this box about this big that was supposed to be the presence of God. And that's dangerous, right? We've seen that. In fact, if you touch the box, you die. And so David's a little fearful of bringing this into his home. And so he actually stops off on the way and puts it in the house of a man named Obed-Edom. Well, guess what happens? Obed-Edom is blessed beyond his wildest dreams. Like everything goes well in the household of Obed-Edom. And so David sees this is a good thing. And he brings the ark into his house. You know, I think there's a word there for us. Because sometimes the presence of God is fearful. But when we realize how good it is, we want to draw near and we want to give thanks. And that is exactly what David did when he brought the ark in. He sacrificed a burnt offering, a peace offering to God. His son Solomon did the same thing. When the tabernacle had served its purpose and the temple was built... Solomon overflowed with thanksgiving. When he dedicated the temple, he actually sacrificed over 100,000 from the herd, 100,000 sheep, and 100,000 goats. Those animals sound familiar? It's the peace offering from Leviticus 3. Overflowing from Solomon. And it actually says in that passage that they had to consecrate the entire courtyard because the sacrifice was too Great. All of those animals wouldn't fit on the altar. And he burnt a peace offering to God. So what about us? We don't have a tabernacle. We don't have a temple. I'll just speak for myself, but I'll bet I speak for most of us in the room. I don't have any herds and I don't have any flocks. So what is my peace offering? What is the thanks that I give to God because he has made peace with me? Well, I think there are a lot of ways that we can do this, and you could probably write down three, four, five of your own right now, but I want to share just a few with you that I found helpful. And one of those is to keep a thanks journal. I've had enough people in my life who are a lot wiser than me and a lot more experienced than me tell me that they do this and that I should do this, that I have finally started doing this in the last year, just to take a little bit of time every day, whether in the morning or in the evening, just a few minutes to write down and pray about two, three, four ways that God has blessed you that day. Things that you are thankful. Because the reality is, in our lives, it's a lot easier to focus on what went wrong, what we have to try to fix, and what we've got to get done tomorrow, and to lose sight of the ways that God has blessed us. And so this has been an absolutely transforming thing for me in my own life, to be able to take that time and say, in spite of my circumstances... I know God is good, and when I think back, just through 24 hours, it's like the, the ways that he is come flooding to me. And that even if everything else is falling apart, I always have one thing to be thankful for. 
that bottom line, that foundation, the atonement, the peace that He's given me through Jesus Christ. Maybe that you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, that's, that's great, that's all well and good, but I'm, I'm not feeling that. It doesn't feel peaceful. I, I can't think of things. There's so much going on. Like when you mentioned that before, that's me. The business deal went south. The marriage went south. All of the kids are sick. I actually lost my job and I'm trying to sell my house and it won't sell. Nothing is peaceful. You know, this is one of those places that sometimes as Christians, we, we accidentally back into a place where we say, I'm a Christ follower, but things aren't going well, but I'll just pretend it's fine. La, 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 la. I'm thankful. I'm peaceful. No, it's good. Everything. That's not what God is asking us to do. Because he knows that there's times that things aren't peaceful. I mean, you can, you can read the book. There are many faithful servants of God who knew joy and peace in the midst of turmoil. In fact, I was, I was talking to my aunt this week. As some of you know, my, like many of you, I, I, I have a, a family member who's dealing with cancer. And my Aunt Lynn was diagnosed recently just completely out of the blue. No family history, no, no nothing, just stomach ache. And you go in and you find out you have, you have cancer? And so she's in intensive chemotherapy right now. But one of the things that's been so inspirational to me is as I see her dealing with that on her blog, on her Facebook, she keeps posting things that she's thankful for. And it always ends with some kind of statement like, because God is good or Jesus loves me. And so I just I talked to her yesterday afternoon asking her if it'd be all right if I just shared some of this with you guys. And she said, okay, but... But you have to be honest that this is extremely difficult. That I don't wake up joyful and thankful and just say, well, it's cancer, but, but I know God. It's hard. It's a battle. And sometimes she says, all I can do is just repeat to myself, Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And for that, I'm thankful. And for that, I know peace. And, and that gives voice to thanks. And I, see, I think that's another way that we lift a peace offering to God is give thanks verbally to Him in prayer, but also by sharing that with one another. Because when I hear that from Aunt Lynn, that makes me want to give thanks. For her, for her example, for the depth of her faith, but for the depth of his love. That when we can share with other people ways that we have seen God be good, even in the midst of unpeaceful circumstances, then we invite them into peace, into this peace offering. So give voice to thanks. I tell you that our enemy would love to use those moments to create fear in us, to create anxiety in us to create discontent in us, to tell us that we don't have peace, that God can't forgive us, to pull us back into guilt, into shame. But God would say, if you believe in Christ, right, as Romans 5.1 said, that Neil read for us, that you saw on the slide, that if our faith is in Him, then we have peace with God. We have confidence in that. And we give Him thanks. And so the third way that I would give you there is that it's not just words, but it's actions. The peace offering was an expensive offering. A herd, a sheep, a goat. 
These financially are significant gifts. And so one of the ways that we show our thankfulness is that we show generosity to God. And we show love to God. And sometimes that's showing generosity and love to the people around us, that we give generously to God and to others. In fact, that's, that's really the way that the peace offering wraps up, because God's people remember God's peace with a meal. In chapter 7, we'll talk a lot more about the meal, but I want to give you just some of the highlights here. Because again, if you look at verses 5, 11, and 16, we've seen these, how this sacrifice is a sweet aroma to the Lord, almost a summoning to dinner, that the meal's about to happen, and then that it's food for him. All the fat is the Lord's. And verse 17 says, This shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations. In all your dwellings, you shall eat neither fat nor blood. Now that becomes a piece of legal code, but it really makes sense, right? If we bring this peace offering, and remember, it's killed at the door of the tabernacle because the meat is being held out for the feast. But the fat, the best portion, is God's. That's his part of the meal. And so it'd be really weird to come to the peace offering and say, God, you've been so good to us. We're so thankful. Let's share this fellowship meal. But no food for you. We're keeping the fat. Right? And we eat God's portion. So the last verse is a reminder that this fellowship must be with God for it to have any meaning for the rest of us. And so you don't eat the fat. All the fat is the Lord's. That is God's portion of this fellowship meal. In fact, in the New Testament church, And in the early church, whenever people celebrated the Lord's Supper, they would reflect on the peace offering because that was a fellowship meal shared with God to remember how God made peace with us. How the body and blood of Christ were broken as our sacrifice so that we have peace, so that we can give thanks. You know, in some of the other offerings, it gives a way for people who are poor and they don't have a herd or a flock to be able to give. And it says you can bring a couple of birds. Well, this one doesn't have that. And really the biggest reason for that is two turtle doves is not enough for a feast. But if you bring the finest cow from your herd, that's probably more than just your family needs. And so it actually becomes an opportunity to invite friends and neighbors, maybe the poor who can't afford this offering, to share in the peace offering with you. And so I invite you even just to think Really, think about this. Get, get like one name, at least one name in mind. Who can you invite to the peace offering, to this fellowship meal? And, and maybe that's literally inviting someone here to something that happens at Horizon. But maybe it's just inviting them to your house to share a meal with you or taking their family out to dinner and creating an opportunity to tell them about the goodness of God the peace that God has offered you, that you would let them see it in your life and invite them into it. Because we give thanks because we live in peace with God through Jesus. That's the foundation. That's the atonement. That's at the bottom line. Whatever else happens with our circumstances, we give thanks because we live in peace with God through Jesus. Colossians chapter 2 is, is uh, just one of my favorite verses right now, and I, I love the way it says this, because it says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, 
so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. Overflowing like Solomon at the temple with thanksgiving. I love that picture, and I tell you that is the antidote to so many things that can feel like they're going wrong, is to abound in thanksgiving. And you know, as you read that, it says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. You know, you may be sitting here this morning, and you're saying, yes, I have. He is my Lord. I love it. Preach it. Bring it on. Keep going. Let's do it right now. Let's give thanks. Capture that. Stay right there. But it may be that you're sitting here this morning, and you're thinking, I have received him, but I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling that peace. I'm looking. I'm searching for things to be thankful for. I would encourage you keep looking. It is there. And at the foundation is the peace that you have through Jesus Christ. Don't let go of that. And it may be that you're sitting here this morning and you're saying, I don't know that I have received him. I don't know that I have peace with God. You know, that you haven't fully come to terms with the depths of how far you are from God. But let me encourage you, as we go through this entire book, and as we're staring into some of those depths, even when I come face to face with the depths of my sin, and when you do too, we also come face to face with the width and the length and the height and the depth of the love of Christ. And what better day than today to receive Him and to know peace with God. So let's do that right now. I want this to be a moment where we share in the peace offering, where we light our sacrifice, where we come together with thanks in our hearts and we give voice to thanksgiving through song so that just as Solomon overflowed with thousands of sacrifices of thanksgiving, I think we have thousands of reasons, even 10,000 reasons to lift up this burnt offering of our thanks to God. So let's do that together right now as we sing 10,000 Reasons. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you bear our burden, that you pay our price. The chastisement that brought us peace was upon you, Lord Jesus. We thank you. We thank you that you have fulfilled the law. We thank you that you have set us free from the law of sin and death, that you have given us the law of the spirit of life. We thank you. Lord, I know that there are many different circumstances in this room today, but I pray that every one of us might have one main reason to give you thanks, that we have peace with you through Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would respond as your people did with the peace offering by giving you thanks with generosity toward you and others, with love toward you and others. Whether we would leave this place today celebrating your peace with thanksgiving. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hey, I also want to thank you for being here with us this morning. And I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue in Holy Smokes. We're studying Leviticus. Thank you. We'll see you next week.